healthcare is changing. I think everyone is so used to going to seeing a provider in person, that brick and mortar sort of feeling. Like now we're changing it to just being like, hey, here it is. The efficiency, the fact that it's faster. I think that's what people feel like, what, is this even real? Like it's so fast to do it. I'm usually used to waiting three months to see my doctor and then 20 minutes in the waiting room, you know? So that that's what people are used to because that's what we're told is the right way to do it. Hello and welcome to the Women in ADHD podcast. I'm your host, Katie Weber. Before we get started, I would like to share with you this review from the Apple podcast platform from a listener called With Love from the Redwoods. It's titled Yes on All Fronts in all caps. I love this podcast. It's empowered me to finally seek help and advocate for this ADHD brain of mine. Also, Katie, you have such an amazing voice. Your voice reminds me of Mary Louise Kelly on NPR. Do you get that a lot? Well, Redwoods, I actually don't get that a lot. I've never gotten that. You're the first, but I will take it as an absolute compliment. So thank you. And thank you for that lovely review. I'm so thrilled that these interviews have helped empower you to advocate for your amazing brain. And I'm so grateful that you took the time to leave the review. It helps other women find this little podcast and it helps me continue to put these interviews out there each week. I also want to let you know that I am opening up a few small group coaching programs in April. These groups will each have a maximum of six women joining together for connection and support and friendship, as well as goal and intention setting. We'll be holding space with each other for accountability and taking the time to get to the bottom of what barriers we are currently facing as neurodivergent women and how we can help each other get past them. These groups are open to all adults who are socialized as girls or identify as women, and you've either been formally diagnosed with ADHD or you are self-diagnosed and exploring this new identity. If you're interested, head over to womenandadhd.com slash group coaching. There you can view the dates and the times and the pricing, and you can fill out the form to add yourself to the list. Again, that is womenandadhd.com slash group coaching, and I will put the link in the show notes too. Okay, here we are at episode 75, in which I interview Dr. Rafia Muhammad. Dr. Muhammad is the clinical division chief at ADHD Online, and she joined them back in August of 2020 when they were first starting up. She focuses on individualized care of her online patients and believes that ADHD can become a patient's asset rather than a deficit when properly understood and treated. Dr. Muhammad is licensed in multiple states and lives in Cyprus, Texas with her husband and two kids, and she is board certified in general preventive medicine and public health. We talk all about the process of getting an online diagnosis, including the testing process and treatment and what's involved, and how clients are often surprised to be working with real medical providers and not just bots. We also discuss how overwhelming it can be for women to navigate the diagnosis process, not to mention treatment, and how telemedicine is filling the gaps for patients who might not have immediate access to knowledgeable providers in their area. We also talk about how healthcare is changing in general, and Dr. Mohammed addresses some of the skepticism around telemedicine and telehealth companies versus the old-fashioned in-person visits we're used to. If you are at all curious about the process of online diagnosis, or you've been at all skeptical about what is offered, you will definitely want to give this episode a listen. And I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Magic Mind, the world's first productivity drink. You'll be hearing a bit more about Magic Mind later in the episode, so stay tuned. I didn't even ask you, have you been diagnosed with ADHD? As I was a kid, I always, you know, just had this really, everything was fast in my mind. And my mom always told me, she's like, you know, cause I'm the eldest of three. And, and, and my mom always said that, you know, you just, your brain just works really fast. I had a little bit of a stutter when I was, um, when I was, uh, when I was growing up and 
And my mom's like, your brain works faster than your than your mouth. So that's I always thought that's what it was. As I got older, going to medicine, I was like, hmm, something, something. I guess people, I, I know people, I, I not I knew not everyone was like this, you know. But then I never, I haven't ever been formally diagnosed, but I do know that I meet a lot of the criteria. Right. And I think present very differently. And a lot of times it's like, you know, if you're, if you're multitasking, if you're doing a lot, it's a good thing, you know, you're supposed to do a lot. And I think women, when we become when different phases of our lives require a different, us, a different attention. And if you have, you know, if you, if you are a mom or if you take care of, you know, if you have, your, or you're taking care of your family or parents or whatever, like that multitasking, I think is a good thing, but sometimes it could just get out of control. So I think, I feel like I've met different criteria at a different time of my life, but haven't ever formally been diagnosed. Yeah, I know. That's what's been so fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Interviewing so many different women who were diagnosed at different times of their lives and some some women who were diagnosed as children, but then kind of like forgot or, you know, yeah. because yeah. there are parts of, you know, there are points in your life where your executive function kind of tanks. And then there are times in your life where you kind of you're on a roll and things are going fine yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I think it's just phases of your life which require a different you where mm-hmm. it where it sometimes you know you need a little bit more help and sometimes you build some mechanisms at that time to kind of cope with it and sometimes you don't and I think that's how ADHD should be presented and that's why I always tell my patients I'm like hey it's not a disability. It's not like a lifelong problem. It's just that you're here because some people are like, I can't believe I went all this time with this, or they feel bad about it. And I'm like, it's not really, let's not be negative. It's not the negative. It's not, it's not nothing. It's something you feel bad about. It's not, there's, there's, we can, you, you found us. Let's find ways to make it better from here forward. Yeah. I think, I think so much of that grief, at least for me in the beginning, and it comes back. I I like, I like to call it like a game of snakes and ladders. Like you feel like you're getting somewhere and then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, but a lot of that grief, especially looking back at my experience with school and just, you know, how uh, you can't help, but feel like, how would my life have been different if somebody had seen the signs? Right. Because so like by the time I was diagnosed at 45, like by the time you get to this part point to suddenly be connecting these dots and realizing like, you know, there's just so much of that feeling of like what could have been. And then also realizing a lot of the time, like how much you have been kind of gaslit and how, you know, exactly. (laughs) Right. Like how much you actually did struggle without even realizing it, because sometimes I feel like we are so busy struggling that we don't think about the struggle itself. And then when you sort of stop and you're like, wow, yeah, I really, it was really hard. (laughs) And then you're like, what do I do with that feeling? You know, because yeah, I think we are really good at picking ourselves up by the bootstraps and like moving forward. And I I always talk about that in the podcast. Like, I think one of our strengths is grit and, and that feeling Mm -hmm. of like, you know what, it happened, resilience, or maybe it's, you know, maybe it's just the sort of the positive side of, of forgetfulness and and poor working memory that you're like, yeah, I'm going to move on from that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't like to dwell as much. Um, Unless it's a text, then we like yeah. dwell on read the, it, reread <laughs> it. We ruminate on that text we sent yes. and being like, why did I send that? Oh God, yes, what's the response yes. going to be? Anyway, um, okay. So normally, for you know, I like to ask about kind of how they came to how women came to their diagnosis. Um, but okay. for you, I would sort of more be interested in kind of like how did you 
you know, get involved with ADHD treatment. I know okay. you've been with ADHD online for, I guess, since August of 2020, right? So it's been for a while year. kind of, yeah. Um, yeah. How did you really start to specialize in ADHD and, and kind of make this uh, a highlight of your practice? Yeah, so I am board certified in preventive medicine, public health. I did my training at the at the Texas Department of State of Health Services. After finishing that, I I wanted to do more um, contracting work because I wanted I I had my first kid in in uh, in residency, and one thing I realized when you're in residency or medical training, your time is not your time. So once I finished, I was like, I want to take some time and just do some do some contracting work, spend some time with my family. And then I had my second. So during during that time, and then when I finally was like, you know, I want to get back into working for like actually maybe maybe work find the hospital or clinic to practice in. That's where the pandemic came in, and because so everything was kind of transitioning into more tele practices telemedicine and that's when I started getting into more of telepractices uh, I was working for a workers a telemed workers comp group at that time and then I was like well you know I need to find something else to keep myself a bit more busy because with telepractice it was things were just starting up so the volume was a little bit slow at times that's when I came across ADHD online I was sending out my CV and I was like oh this looks cool let me let me reach out here and uh that's where I initially found them. I was, I was the first physician with them. So it was just literally a handful of us. And we just started, we just, and it just jumped right in, started seeing patients. We started in Texas and Texas and Pennsylvania were the, were, were two states at first. And, um, that's just how things I started, you know, seeing a lot of patients and seeing the, 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 it became apparent very fast that there is a big need for this, especially with the, with the pandemic. One thing in in my training that we that we in from public health standpoint, you know, med, whether it's a medical emergency, public health, anything, it affects the vulnerable population the most. So there, we have kids, we have adults who you know need mental health, who need who need help for whether it's your anxiety or just need someone to talk to. They can't get in to see their providers in person. So when they found us online or you know just. Instagram, TikTok, whatever it was, they were just like, oh, this is, this is, this is interesting. This is great. And, and they felt like they were getting the care they needed in the comfort of their own home. They felt safe. They, so that's how the need kind of grew. And now we're in, I don't know, multiple, every time we're adding states, like in over in 20 plus states, we have over 80, over 60, 80 providers, maybe like we're just growing really fast. And uh, so it's been, uh, so that's how I kind of found them and kind of started my work with them. Yeah, it is amazing at how if like it feels like it is really meeting such an intense need right now um mm-hmm. with the with the pandemic and lockdown but also just like we are going through this mental health revolution right now. Yeah. yeah. Um and f- as a result I think of the pandemic and lockdown and it's so you know, I, like I talked to guests in the UK who say there's a three-year waiting list uh, with oh the gosh. NHS to get an assessment. So they're going to private companies a lot. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's like with, even though things are opening up, like it's still, it's hard enough to get a dentist appointment right now. Like it's crazy yeah. how backed yeah. up, how, you know, that relatively short shutdown has the ripple effects uh, that it yeah. has had throughout the medical community. 
Yeah. And just the over, like the stress and the, um, overworking and like, not only, you know, taking on your having to deal with your own issues with the pandemic, mm-hmm. but then taking mm-hmm. on all of the issues with the clients, mm-hmm. like, it's just yeah. so dizzying to think about. And I feel like yeah. online telehealth has really just like slid in there and, and filled this gap so yeah. wonderfully. It's um, the disparity of healthcare that becomes so apparent. And I think that's where telepractices like ours kind of are we're just able to reach more people and it just and it feels good to be able to be there for them you know just even if we can't even if it's not for some people you know I see I'm like you know medications may not be a good time right now but at least they know that at least they know like hey maybe this is not the right what else can I do so I think it's just it's just just as you were saying it's just wild these are wild times and it's really (laughs) (laughs) it's just it's yeah, it is. And I think even for through the lens of ADHD or even just like to f- focus in on ADHD in the last couple of years, I mean, that article that came out in The Independent about the increase in online diagnoses among women, mm-hmm. did you see that? Like it was incredible. Yeah. It's like in 2019, it was like 7,000 women took online assessments. And in, in 2021, it was 250,000. Uh, and, and I'm sure it's still, it feels like it's still increasing. Anytime I post anything about ADHD, the comments are like, I think I might have that. Like, it's it's amazing to me how many women are still sort of coming to this realization. Cause I, at this point, I assume everybody, everybody must know. Cause I know. (laughs) Yeah. And if it, it always feels like that, it's always like, you know, if you, it's like, if you learn one thing, if you know one thing, you think everybody has it too. But I think with women, it just presents so differently. I mean, it's just, I, I have, because of the, I don't want to say because of the pandemic, but because we've opened up around the pandemic, you know, there is this, I see a lot of women, I see a lot of adult women coming in and they, they often present with this mix of anxiety and this hyperactivity. And the hyperactivity is more this mental hyperactivity. I always describe it as you have a lot of tabs open in your brain. You can't focus on one tab long enough and then you jump period. Just jumping between things all day long. The second they wake up till they go to bed. And then when they go to bed, they're physically tired because they've done so much like running, just physical running around. Mm -hmm. But their brain doesn't sleep. So their brain wakes up and it's like, oh, we didn't do this. And we forgot the kids, you know, homework or laundry. or So it's like, it's like this constant sort of, you know, cycle and it's just you never get this mental peace so the hyperactivity that we typically see with ADHD which is more physical kids bouncing off the walls it's more this mental hyperactivity in women and when I explain it to that they're like oh my god that is so true like before the pandemic you know they're like I I know I had some of it but I was it wasn't that bad like I was functional you know but then now it's like everything is from everybody's home everybody needs me at the same time and I think that that shift is what a lot of women are seeing it because sometimes, you know, people could have ADHD, could have some levels of depression, some levels of anxiety, and not everything is ADHD. But if the root cause is, it, if the common denominator is ADHD, then maybe proper treatment, proper, you know, management will help everything else. So that's how the, I think that's when a lot of women come in, that's what they experience, or they've been on anxiety medication or, or depressive medication in the past. And they're like, I just, I don't know, it's not helping me. Like, I feel like I'm on it, but nothing's really happening. 
Right. Yeah. I got trapped by that feeling that if it's, if it's this bad on the medication, imagine how bad I'll be off the medication. And so I was terrified to go off of it. And I was on SSRIs and a sort of cocktail of various medications for depression and anxiety for since university. And, um, you know, never really felt like I related to, you know, especially like with postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety. I never, I was being treated for that because I was having a lot of emotional regulation issues, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. I never felt like I fit the profile of, of PPD, but at the same time was sort of like, well, you know, SSRIs do, do work you know, they, they helped me sort of get through the day. Um, but yeah, always sort of feeling like, yeah, it's not, it's, it's just off, you know, um, there, but not there. And I think that's, I think that's the thing. I think, you know, again, that our medical, you know, knowledge or our medical, the, I guess the, what's the word, DSM criteria. We have criteria for everything. There's a name for a lot of things, you know, but at the end of it, no one can tell you like what you're presenting is 10% anxiety or 40% ADHD or 20%, you know, postpartum. It's, it's, we want to treat the root cause of it all. So if, you know, if at that time, if postpartum was, was going on and this is your treatment, then everything should, should slowly get better. But if it doesn't, or if you're like, Hey, it's not something else is going on. Like I'm still not feeling better then maybe, you know, go back and reassess and find something else. And I, I think for patients, like, that's also really important to understand. I think we're always thinking of like, oh, if I have hypertension, I will have hypertension, you know, but their mental health is a, it's a very abstract beast. There's different things that make it up. Yeah. I always tell myself that like, if you, you know, if you feel really deeply seen and understood by a mm-hmm. lot of the ADHD stuff you're seeing online, then it's mm-hmm. worth looking into, yeah. um, you know, because I, there's that fear that, oh, well, maybe it's not ADHD, maybe it's something else. And I think, you know, a lot of that fear comes from a lifelong, you know, experience of self-doubt and also Mm -hmm. like feeling like you're just looking for excuses for your laziness or your disorganization. You know, like I think we tend to get to adulthood feeling like, um, you know, like I, I, the best way I've ever heard it described was, was piece of shit syndrome. (laughs) You know, which is just like, you know, feeling yeah. like there's uh, feeling like you're inadequate and you're always looking for excuses. Mm-hmm. And maybe an ADHD diagnosis is just one more excuse that you're excuse. grasping onto, right? Yeah. And so it amazes me mm-hmm. how much, not only how much self-doubt there is around getting the diagnosis, but even after I was diagnosed, yeah. I still like constantly, I mean, I freaking have a podcast about it <laughs> and yet I still have like imposter syndrome around the diagnosis. Like it, it's, yeah. and so I just tell myself that that level of self-doubt is, is a pretty good indicator that I have ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's also the stigma of mental health, you know, like it's just, it, people just perceive it very differently. I have patients who are, so the ADHD online, there's two parts to our to our treatment arm. One is the assessment. So uh, that's open, that's open in all states and that's done by a licensed psychologist. And that, so in order, so some people just need the assessment with that assessment, they can go to their private care or wherever they want to, but they, they need that assessment. And that's one aspect. If you, uh, with that, you can also come get treatment through us. And that's the, uh, and that's the med, that's the medical management side. And, I have patients who've been assessed. It's the first time coming in, and, but they start off with like telling me that they have it or that, you know, just kind of 
explaining themselves. And I'm like, look, I, I, I you're, you, you're diagnosed with it. I, I, I understand that. I mean, I, I know you have it. I'm just trying to understand a little bit about your day to day or something, you know, but then they start with this whole, like, well, I ha- like, it's like, they're fighting for their diagnosis or fighting for it's like, it's because, and a couple of times I've, 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 uh, I've kind of explained to them, like, look, I, I know you have it. I'm not doubting your diagnosis. I just want to know what's the best, you know, medical option. Should we do this one or that one? Like that kind of thing. And so then, and so then they actually get taken aback and, and they're like, I'm so, they're like, I'm sorry. I don't know why I'm doing this, but I've always had to like fight for it before. It was the first time it's kind of like, oh, it's so easy. Like, I don't know how to act, you know? And I'm like, no. And, and that's the thing. I think the, the mental health stigma is there, but sometimes depending on, you know, um, at what point of your life you get seen. Like if you're in school, not doing well, or maybe getting in trouble all the time, maybe it's easy to say, okay, you're just, you know, you have discipline issues and it's not ADHD. Or if you're older in life and it's like, well, you're just, you know, and you're, you know, maybe not doing things you need to do. It's like, well, it's because of this. So it's like, I think people just like to, people don't want, the way the diagnosis is perceived, it's kind of like, oh, because you're doing this, it's maybe due to disciplinary issues. It's not, it's always seen as like a, if nothing else fits, then it could be ADHD, you know, but I don't think it should be seen that way. Well, and I think there's also the belief that, you know, you really could get your act together if you tried hard enough, right? Like the the belief that like at the end of the day, you're just not trying hard enough. And we internalize that belief because we're told that thousands of times throughout our life. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Magic Mind, the world's first productivity drink. When it comes to maintaining focus and energy throughout the day, I tend to rely heavily on caffeine. But that can backfire when I get over-caffeinated and end up with that jittery, agitated feeling that interferes with my ability to focus and be productive. This is where Magic Mind comes in. Unlike regular energy drinks, Magic Mind contains minimal caffeine, but is loaded up with all natural ingredients like the adaptogens ashwagandha and turmeric, nootropics, and matcha, all of which help you keep that focus and motivation throughout the day. As a special offer for listeners of the Women in ADHD podcast, you'll get 20% off your order. Simply head over to magicmind.co slash womenadhd and make sure to enter the code ADHD at checkout. Again, head to magicmind.co slash womenadhd and you'll find that link in the show notes for 20% off your order. Any other parents out there who have struggled to instill good financial habits into their kids? I know I have. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode, Go Henry by Acorns, the smart debit card and app for kids 6 through 18. With Go Henry, kids can learn about money, set spending and saving goals, and even track chores and earn allowance money right within the app. They learn the value of money by using their Go Henry debit cards, while we as parents can set spend limits and help guide their journey while staying informed every step of the way. It gives me so much peace of mind to know that I'm using a smart tool to proactively teach my kids about money and prepare them for future success. Set your kids up for success and get started today at gohenry.com slash women ADHD. Again, that's gohenry.com slash women ADHD. TNCs apply, renews from $4.99 per month unless canceled. So now with this kind of like increase in diagnoses, uh, especially among adults and adult women, like how do you think this is going to be changing the face of ADHD and that stigma? Because that's what I get excited about, right? I mean, that's what yeah. this advocacy is for and, yeah. and spreading the word and showing yeah. like, um, I, it, you know, it 
I feel like that we have this opportunity to really um, expand how ADHD is looked at, like in the education system and, yeah. and in, you know, for our self-identity, what do you, what do you mm-hmm. feel like this, you know, even though there's this backlash right now that it's just trendy and, <laughs> and everybody's a little ADHD and all yeah. of that, yeah. like, how do you feel like we, yeah, how do you feel like the face of ADHD is changing? I think that with, now that more people have access to it, they're, they're being like, they have a name for what they're feeling or what they're experiencing. I think with that, there is this, there's this, it brings a more positive light to it. And I think that if the fact that, you know, women are multitasking, we're doing a whole lot during this time period. And I think with that, it, it it's, it's, it's a more, it adds to the positivity of it. It's not like you have to be a kid to have it or this, or, you know, or, you know, in your college years or whatever, I think it's, I think it's being seen as like, oh my gosh, like if you were, I think it's highlighting the fact that we're, we do so, like women are doing so much also, you're full-time, you're, you're working, taking care of your family and jumping between a lot of the roles, the roles that we have to handle. And I think with that, it just, it just, um, it brings that aspect of positivity. And I think if women, if once you start feeling better, once you start doing things, you're more, you feel like you're, you're, you're making that difference in yourself. It's that overall, you, you realize like, you know, you're, um, what's the word I'm trying to say? Your, your, your own sort of day-to-day gets better. It's more positive reinforcement also, you know? So I think, I think it's not, I don't know how it's going to, in the, the backlash that ADHD gets, especially in this whole, social media world it's it's just because everyone's like oh, everyone's talking about it. everybody has it that kind of thing that I don't I don't know how that part will change and I hope it changes but I think with with the whole social media and trendiness that comes with any with any diagnosis I think that's just you know that's that's always uh, uh that's kind of a different sort of aspect but I feel more women get diagnosed the more they will talk about it amongst themselves and I think that's what's important so just everyone putting their voice out there and social media is a great way to do that. Social, but I have a lot of people who found us on TikTok. I didn't even know we were on TikTok. So that's been really, it's been really exciting to see that kind of married together. But I know that a lot of, you know, because of the pandemic, there's a lot of people who do, you know, post things on social media with, and then, and I know that some medical providers get a lot of back, backlash. So they're just like, well, you're just going up there and saying things on this or, you know, so I think that's, that's a, that's, or you're just looking for meds, which I just yeah. blows my mind that any medical professional is still thinking of stimulants as, you know, in this, in that way, you know, that somebody is coming yeah. to you and yeah. struggling and, and yeah. you're like, well, you're just trying to get, you know, um, contraband. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but so, uh, oh shoot, I lost my train of thought. Um, so I was curious, I wanted to find out a lot more about the testing, um, the online testing, like, as you mentioned, I kind of assumed that it was just like a multiple choice test. Uh, what's, what is the, are you actually speaking with, um, a psychologist or, or yeah. a psychiatrist? So walk so, me through the um, yeah. testing process with yes. ADHD online. So we have a, so say you're looking to get diagnosed. You're like, Hey, I think I have ADHD. I just saw on TikTok. Let's maybe I'm the criteria. So you come onto our website and then you'll have, uh, 
your your register and then there's a bunch of questions in there the questions will ask you things about just you know just uh medical background like medical history surgical history that kind of thing family history um social uh, history anything the questions on anxiety question on depression like just a, and there are free text kind of questions and then at the end of it this is an asynchronous sort of sort of visit. So once you've finished that questionnaire, then it gets sent to a licensed psych, uh, one of our licensed psychologists, and they're the ones who'll look over it and assess it and say, okay, based on this, you meet criteria for ADHD and attentive type or combined type, or whatever the case is. But it seems like you know you also answered positive to some of the questions in anxiety or some some of the questions in um, in, um, in in um, in in depression, and then they have a, a plan sort of highlighted in there sometimes some patients will mention you know they may have thoughts of hurting themselves or th or, or thoughts of hurting others and then at that time the the psychologist may may reach out to them and be like hey you talked about this i just want to find a little bit more here's some you know numbers to reach out to that kind of thing or so it's so the assessment is just based on the way those questions were answered somebody you know you can meet diagnostic criteria for ADHD but it also we also want to highlight depression anxiety and other mental conditions because not everybody could be it's not always a clear-cut ADHD diagnosis you can have a little bit of other things also so the assessment kind of looks looks at all that um, so we have a uh, our department our uh, division chief for, for 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 the psychologist is Dr. Savoie, Dr. Gail Savoie. Because uh, I think, you know, the number one question I get asked in my Instagram DMs all the time, which is, you know, how do I get diagnosed? And I love just mm -hmm. being able to like send people to you guys. <laughs> yeah, because, of course. Yes, right? Because it's do. so, yeah. I think, you know, so many of us, I had such a great experience with my doctor, but my doctor is also mm -hmm. a psych NP. So she, it was really relatively painless experience. I had a yeah, relationship yeah. with her already. I brought all of my self-tests and all of my paperwork with me. And she was like, yeah, yeah, don't worry. You don't, you know, it was the same experience where I was like, so terrified. She was going to yeah. say, no, it's yeah. not ADHD. And then I would be like, well, now what, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. and so it was, it was, it's been a relatively wonderful experience for me, but like, I have just, I hear so many terrible stories about women who go to their doctor really feeling like this, you know, could be the answer to so many random struggles yeah. throughout their lives. And the yeah. doctors just are like, Oh, you know, go get a good night's sleep. You're, you know, you're a mom, this is typical yeah. or my I've favorite, actually heard them. Right. You or have like, said that to me. And, or, or my favorite is you've made it this far. What's the point in getting a diagnosis? And it's yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I've had patients say that to me and I'm just like, I'm so sorry. Someone said that to you. I'm so sorry. Someone told you like kids are the answer to your, you know, to your life or I, I just, I, it really baffles. I, I don't, I, I don't know why someone would say that, you know, like it's yeah. not, I would never see that. I would never say that as a response to anybody, to any of my patients. So it, can, it's confusing, but for women hear that are quite more often than men do. So yeah. Or, or my, another one that I love is, is you weren't, you didn't struggle in school. You didn't struggle as a girl. And so therefore yeah. you can't possibly have it as an adult. And it's like, nobody knew anything about ADHD girls. Yes. Yes. Uh, so of course I wasn't diagnosed as a child. Yeah. How are you yeah. using that as yeah. evidence that I don't have it now? Um, but I think, you know, really the idea is that the fact that there's just like, I think we're at this 
we're at this crossroads where people are getting a lot of their information online from social media. They're yeah. seeing these lived experiences of, of social media influencers for good or for bad. This is how the information is spreading. And then they're going to their doctors who just have no clue what is happening and don't know really much beyond the DSM. And, and so then we get to this big question, which is like, okay, well, what is this? Is this ADHD? Is it not? I don't know. And, and it's dangerous to self-diagnose and you, you know, we, we, we have, have so many of these questions around this right now. And so it's just, it's mm-hmm. so nice to know that there is like a place where you have people who know what they're doing. They're experts mm-hmm. in this specific topic mm-hmm. and, you know, can, yeah, can look at these comorbidities and look at some of these other mm-hmm. red flags and, and, and help us parse it out. Because I think that's what is, is the big confusion right now. Like, right. Yeah. You know, yeah. and like you said, yeah. right at the beginning, which was, even if it's not, ADHD, like there's some executive functioning issues that everybody is experiencing right now for a lot of reasons. So let's deal with those as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I have some patients who just want to, they're like, I don't know. They're like, I I know, you know, I did your assessment because I have ADHD, but I just want to talk to somebody about it. And so we'll talk about it. And at the end of it, they're, they're like, you know what, I'm now that I know, and things you say make sense. I, I guess I'll, they want to do therapy or they want to, now that they know, they want to see if they can do things on their own and then come back if they feel like. So I think it just, it's nice to be able to open that door for them and just say, hey, we're here for you. If you want to come back, more than welcome to come back anytime. Um, you know, so I think that's important also for, 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 for people to know that, okay, I have someone to go to. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's crazy. It's expensive. It's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. It's one, I mean, mm-hmm. it's one thing to get a diagnosis, but then it's another thing to get hit with, you know, $50 a month medical oh, yeah. uh, uh, prescription bills. And then also like, okay, well now I have to make room in my budget for, for therapy. And, you know, like yeah. there's a lot yeah. of expenses that get thrown at you in terms of treatment and, you know, we're not always the best with budgeting. So yeah. <laughs> you have to deal oh, with your financial issues, topic. right? Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, it is overwhelming. And I see, you know, and I think we're also just like have a tendency to not bring in help in our lives. And we have a tendency mm-hmm. to be like, you know, I think somebody with ADHD and undiagnosed ADHD has spent their whole life being like, I, I can just figure this out by myself, right? I just need to try yeah. harder. I just need to do a little more research. I'm just going to do this. Let me just Google a little bit more. And there's always this sense of like, the answer is just around the corner. I just need to f- yeah. figure out how to just get there. a little bit more. Because right. That's how it's been. That's how it's you've been told all your life. So that's what you think. You know, like if I just spent 10 more minutes on this, it's, it's right there, you know, and that 10 minutes could be the more painful 10 minutes ever because, you know, it's just it just adds more and more to that. And then, yeah, and that in turn can add to those levels of, you know, if you don't get the answer or even need more time that could act in more of those levels of negative self-thought and just more to the anxiety feeling. So it's just in a sense, it's a vicious cycle that's. Mm-hmm. It's not ending. I know, right? So I, I mm-hmm. love, you know, I kind of joke with other people about the idea of like the diagnosis process for ADHD is basically the test for ADHD because <laughs> it feels like such a maze yeah. and there's yeah. so many hurdles to even just get there and then to get the treatment yeah. and it's so exhausting and chances are you're already chronically overwhelmed to begin with and yeah, ah, deep sigh. This episode is brought to you by Magic Mind, the world's first productivity drink. 
Magic Mind was created by James Bashara, a Silicon Valley investor and entrepreneur who ended up in the ER with a heart condition brought on by the combination of stress and caffeine. He started researching natural alternatives, teamed up with scientists and medical professionals, and he created the Magic Mind drink and wrote the book Beyond Coffee. I personally really like the taste, and it's a nice little shot of energy to keep me focused throughout the day without any of that jittery, agitated feeling I get from too much coffee. Beyond just energy and focus, it has ingredients to help you stress less, reduce brain fog, and stay on task. As a special offer for listeners of the Women and ADHD podcast, you'll get 20% off your order. And make sure to enter the code ADHD at checkout. Again, that's magicmind.co slash womenADHD, and you can find that link in the show notes for 20% off your order. So now, what would you say to the skeptics when it comes to online assessment? So, you know, I feel like there is this because there's because the um, telehealth and and the online assessments um, have come in and they're relatively new, they're filling a gap. Uh, mm-hmm. But they're also there, you know, there could be the fear that they are capitalizing on on these sort of need for urgency or, you know, this idea of like, I just want to get this diagnosis quickly. I don't want to have to do the work, you know, that there's a mm-hmm. sense that there's, um, you know, it is it's a business. So there I think there is some mistrust uh, that comes with online assessments as opposed to going to your doctor, even if your doctor mm-hmm. is like you know, an 80 year old guy who has no idea what you're talking about and <laughs> tells you yeah, you're not a yeah. hyperactive boy, but like, um, yeah. you know, what, what, how do you address the skeptics in the room? I think it's the healthcare is changing. I think everyone is so used to going to seeing a provider in person, that brick and mortar sort of feeling like now we're changing it to just being like, Hey, here it is. So the efficiency, the, the, the fact that it's faster, I think that's, what people feel like, what, is this even real? Like it's so fast to do it. I'm usually used to waiting three, used to waiting three months to see my doctor and then 20 minutes in my waiting room, you know? So it's that, that's what people are used to because that's what we're told is the right way to do it in a sense. But this way it's same assessment or similar assessments that we're doing at our follow-ups and at our visits and everything, but it's just faster. So it's that, I think that's the part that the assess and we, in any medical practice, whether it's online or in person, we are practicing the, there, there is a standard of care we want to meet. We want to make sure that the patients, any medication we prescribe, anything we talk, anything we do, it is, you know, it, it's safe. The patients have a way to reach back out to us if they have questions or concerns or if they have, you know, if they're not liking the medication or whatever the case is. And um, there is, it's, it's the same practice, but just, online just everything is just you're not going into a building you're not going into a brick and mortar but I think this skeptics come in when it comes to like oh well I'm used to doing something else this is so much faster so is it real that's the type of that's the kind of I guess response I've seen and I try to tell them like it's the same thing I mean and and you know at the and I think just building that trust with patients that that kind of helps too they're just like oh so you're you're a real doctor you're you know this is real practice this is real medication I send in a prescription to the pharmacy they were able to pick it up and you know so I think all that is like oh my god this is they're not just like a bot sitting somewhere talking to me and all our visits are done through um uh, like a like a 
like a Zoom like this. So they're able to see me in my in my home. Sometimes my kid runs around and they're like, oh, you're a real person. <laughs> and and then all of us are like, so I think that that sort of builds builds it up a little bit. But initially people who, you know, come to us are just like, I didn't know about you guys. I just did this online two in the morning because I couldn't sleep and now I'm here. So, you know, so I think um yeah, so to answer your question, the very roundabout way, I think it's just that I think the skeptics are is just they're used to doing something in a different way in a very, in a, in a brick and mortar fashion, things take longer. And that's what we're used to. So now we're changing it. And it's like, is this real? I mean, that's where it comes from. So the efficiency. Yeah, I know. I, I like that answer. It says a lot about the American medical system. That, oh, <laughs> that if, gosh, something, if something isn't painful and arduous, then it must not be real. That's, that's, that's literally what exactly what it is. They're just, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy how, much you have to you know you advocate for your help in so many ways here and here we're just trying to be like uh, our, I mean our waiting period for some states is a bit longer but we are growing very fast so that's cutting down also mm-hmm. and that, but at the same time it's just you know when you hear that you know wait to go to a brick and mortar it's like three months in some places some places depending on if they're in like I'm in Texas in rural Texas they're sometimes there's more cattle than people in, in some counties, you know, so, um, so just for them to get treatment, it, you have to wait even longer, or drive hours to, to actually go to a specialist. Yeah, absolutely. I know. I, I grew up in Canada and moved to the States when I was 27. So I always laugh because I'm like, there is a better way people, <laughs> yeah. um, well, you know, whenever Canada, Americans yeah. start talking about, start talking yeah. about how we're the cream of the crop and I'm like, Oh, where do I even start? Um, <laughs> That's another podcast. Um, but anyway, the um, do you now? I know with with the prescriptive um, visits and the therapy. That's I know that's sort of on a state by state basis. But do you um, assess internationally? I guess my question is: Can you assess anybody who you know? Do you have to be in the U.S. to get your assessment through ADHD online? So yes, the medications. So we're the way the medication parts of every state has different state laws when it comes to most of the ADHD medication, the stimulants are controlled substances. So if you are on, if you get prescribed a stimulant, states have certain laws on that. Every state is different, but those are all within within the U S we're not assessing. We're not open to patients internationally. I think you can get, I'll have to ask the AT and like just the, just the team, if we can do assessments for internationally, but I Mm -hmm. think, I think this because the assessment is like anybody can get assessed now and you, you can take that assessment to your medical provider in person if you want to, you know, so I think that part could maybe available, but the medical management part that is for us only. Right. Okay. That's what I was curious about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause um, you know, it also feels like with this social media revolution, like it's amazing to me how um, how ADHD just is becoming more and more of a concept, you know, or I guess it's, you know, there are, there are definitely certain countries that embrace mental health and there are some, mm-hmm. some countries that 
there's no, there's no such thing as mental health. Right. Yeah. You know? And so it's always like, I, I didn't really think about it much until I started going on clubhouse at the beginning of last year. And there was mm-hmm. a lot of like interesting ADHD clubhouse rooms and conversation. And, but it was so fascinating to me, you know, from very, you know, for certain continents where people were just like, this was the first mm-hmm. time they were even exploring mm-hmm. ADHD. And it was like, I can't tell my family about it. I can't talk about, you yeah. know, this is just, um, yeah. this is not something that I could ever actually explore. So I think in that realm, in terms of like the, the stigma, I think the U S is probably a lot more laid back <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of other continents. Yeah, and we still have stigma around it, but mental health stigma in the eastern part of the world—it's deep. I mean, they don't. In some countries, if you go in with the stimulant, it's banned in those countries. Like you can't bring even if so, you know, even if our patients are traveling, we've asked them to be like, hey, if you need a travel, if you need a letter, please check with your country. This is because if you take your medication with you and you get. Stop. I mean, again, for some countries, a stimulant medication is banned to enter unless you have the appropriate paperwork and stuff. So it's not even seen as a possible diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, and like, especially in like the Eastern part of the world, it's, it's very, it's just not around. No one talks about it. No one thinks that's it. You know, again, you're lazy. Stop doing this. Focus more on stop playing with your friends. Focus on your studying. Like that's kind of the thought process there, right? It's like self indulgent to even mm-hmm. think about. Um, yeah, your yeah. Own if you're thinking, yeah, if you're thinking about it, you have way too much time. You're not studying, so <laughs> go pick up your book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I I grew up in I um I grew up in um, Saudi Arabia, and it's a very like it, I went to elementary school out there. I was there up. Up, up until junior high and it's never occurred to me that this was even a diagnosis I mean, my, my bubble was just going to school come back catch classes blah, blah blah and then that time I went to uh that the 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 I was in a U.S. based school there U.S. Um, curriculum school so we had classes only up until the ninth grade at that time and then if you wanted for high school you'd either uh most of us would 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 uh would go to boarding schools whether it was in London, I don't know if it was the U.S. or whatever. So I went to an all-girls boarding school in Maryland. And it was just like my world was always just got to study this, pass this, so I can do the next thing. You know, it's like, so the it's never I, thoughts of mental health or any depression, anxiety, ADHD never crossed my mind. And then, but I, now that I'm in this ADHD online world, it's, I see high school kids. I see, I see parents bringing their kids in. I'm like, this is amazing. This is amazing that you're so like, you're as parents you're open to the diagnosis because i mean for kids for minors you need to come with parents you know so if your parents are if you the fact that you guys had this discussion this is it's just amazing to see that you know like it's just the 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 stigma is slowly breaking down yeah i i think you know i so many women I interview have came to their diagnosis through their children, you know, yeah, uh, where they were like, too. Oh, wait a minute. These traits are, I experienced all of these and throughout I see my that whole too. life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
whereas I, I did not come to it through my children, but now I have a almost 15 year old and a 10 year old. And so, you know, I'm going through their, everything they do. We evaluate it. We talk about it. Do I have ADHD? Do I not? I don't know. They're, I have a girl and a boy. So they're both so different in terms of how it presents. And, um, it's always fascinating to me to think about how much my own parenting has changed since my own diagnosis, just in terms of like, realizing, you know, the importance of accommodations and realizing the importance Mm -hmm. of like environment and how, you know, you are not the problem. The problem is the environment, right? Yeah. (laughs) And just external stressors, external stressors, external stimuli. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. And so it's like, you just approach issue. I just, you know, we approach problems very, very differently as opposed Mm -hmm. to being like, what's wrong with me that I can't do this thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's, Mm -hmm. you know, right away I'm teaching my kids that like, they are not the problem. And so they can, they can say, okay, if this is working. Now I can look Mm -hmm. outside of myself and be like, what is not working for me? And what do I need to succeed? As opposed to like, I feel like in my life, I just was like, I'm not succeeding. Everybody else is what's wrong with me. I'm going to just give up and lie here in the fetal position yeah, (laughs) or or just like try really, really hard and push it and eventually get through and make it and and then fall to it, you know, fall to the floor exhausted. That's the other thing, right? Just like we having to do twice the work for the same amount of, um, for the same result as so many other people. Yeah. So by the time you get your goal, you're mentally and physically exhausted because you worked double, you've done double the work in a sense. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, no, I, I've, I often see see myself with, with, um, with my kids, I'm always looking at like, I mean, TikTok and Instagram are just great resources for if you you find the right thing. I mean, there's good and bad everywhere, you know, but I always find things on like how to parent toddlers, things, but tips like that. I'm always looking at things like that. I'm like, this is interesting to, to include in my parenting, you know, but for my parents, it was, it was different. It was a different generation. They thought very differently and they were not as, I mean, they're great parents. They, they, but at the same time, it's like, I guess now parenting is, you're just, you're more, there's, the resources are different. So you approach things a bit differently and our kids and our, they're living through a pandemic. Everyone's showing it very differently. I mean, I have a six-year-old and, and, and I have a three-year-old and they're, they're, they show it very differently versus I see kids who are in their, you know, their 10-year-olds, their preteens, they show it very differently. And it's just, it's like, but as parents, you want to be open to that and be in tune to that and not just say, oh, it's, go to your room and do it again. You know, like just, you, you, I see parents as kind of having very, they have this very um, friendly relationship, I guess, with their kids. Yeah. The older generation. I hope, I hope this generation of parents kind of realizes that corporal punishment and the like sit in your room and sit in the corner and think about it, like all of the ways in which we were punished growing up. Like I, at least, yeah. I think we've all learned that they're terrible, <laughs> they're terrible ways to discipline children and that there is a more like cooperative approach that, yeah. that could work. I saw this thing where it's like, I don't like, you don't do timeouts anymore. We do like time ins. like, okay, let's, let's, you know, let's take a deep breath and come back. And we, so before it's always like, I'll go to your room and see in timeout and all that stuff, you know, but now it's like, wait, let's, let's take a deep breath and let's, you know, reassess and try to approach this a little bit more, a little bit more carefully, you know? So I think, uh, and that's something new. I never, I never, I never realized that before. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is timeout is so archaic now, you know, you want to be able to engage your kid. Your kid is telling you something and let's be open to it. 
Right. I know. And I, I think I read in a book recently, I think it was Dr. Sharon Saline's book where she was talking about like the best reward for any kid is time with you, right? Like all they want is more time yes. with you. And that can be hard as a parent because yeah. you do need your space, but it was just a reminder of like how time apart, like the way, you know, separating and making mm -hmm. them sit by themselves and doing anything alone is really like akin to torture for certain yeah, age groups. Yeah. And then, and then I thought about like body doubling, right. And how like with my children, like one of the hardest things that my husband and I deal with, cause he's neurotypical. And I'm always trying to explain to him that like, you can't just tell your child to go clean their room because yeah. that you're just, you're leaving them alone, you know, to, they're just, they're flailing. And, and it's a yeah. really, really difficult task. And like, we, mm -hmm. you know, we need to find the patience to body double <laughs> and, and it's hard, right. Because it's, mm -hmm. it's hard because like, yeah, as a parent, you need to, you need time away. And so, you know, it's, but it, it, that's, those were those ways in which my own view of parenting has really shifted yeah. where I'm like, it's just not fair to expect things from a child. If you haven't like really shown them explicitly how to do things and, and showing them and, and spending that time with them is so important. Think, yeah. And I think a lot of us, you know, never like when kids go to school, drop them off, maybe bus pick them up at seven or eight or you drop them off to school. They come back around two or three. Like this is the first time parents are actually seeing their kids study. They're like with homeschool with a hybrid model. They're like, I had no idea. My child could not sit down in one place. Like I have, and I, and, and sometimes I ask parents, I'm like, so what, what brings you guys in today? Like, why why see treatment now and so the parents are like i had no idea my child was so destructive like they're just walking around the whole they can't sit down in one place i had no idea at first they're, they're like what well, teachers would mention it i always always thought that uh, this, the teacher's not good you know like something like that but now they're like i'm actually seeing it or i can't believe i have to tell my kid like a hundred times to do something they still don't do it you know so it's like i think if again if you're not either showing your kids you're not seeing that like, how do you you know, how do you, how do you know what to do? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, this, 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 the, the pandemic has, I guess, in one way brought us away from each other, but also close as families, because then you're realizing so many things about, about ourselves, about each other. It's the first time my kids actually know what I'm doing. They, I don't think they, they're, they're, they're little, they don't fail really know much besides Mickey Mouse or, you know, Elsa, whatever. But uh, now they're like, they're like, oh, they're really like, mommy's a doctor and mommy sees patients on telemedicine. Like, like my son tells people, well, my mom sees patients on telemedicine. She's a telemedicine doctor. And, um, and it's like, then they, then they know like, okay, you're here, you're with your patients. And then anytime I'm done, my, my, my daughter's like, how many patients do you have? Two more, three more. Cause they know that this is something she does. This is how it's, it's this is how she puts she works but then if I have to go back on a call or something like that they all they're always like you're always working you're always working because sometimes I see patients on different different time zones so it's like evening work at times and they're always like you're always working I just want to play with you and I'm like okay guys I'm almost done I'm almost done you know and it's like it's like that that time like we all need time away but I think that the time that they have we, we, we that we give to our kids it's also it should you know it's they see it differently you know because I don't know I guess they see me work now more so they're just like where is she I don't know 
Well, it's funny because uh, yeah, with some distance from from remote learning, now that my kids are back in school, <laughs> I can have some. I have enough distance that I can yes have some gratitude for that experience yeah. of like having <laughs> yes. them home and really getting yeah. some insight into how yeah. they learn. And especially my son was in fourth grade, and I remember he his teacher was always harping on his handwriting. She was like, he needs, you know, his handwriting is really messy. We need Mm -hmm. to work on that. But I could then, I saw how, when he started to focus on his handwriting, he would lose his train Mm -hmm. of thought. He couldn't, you know, he would get all this anxiety about how he was, you know, he slowed down so much that I ended up becoming like his secretary. And I was like, look, you just say things out loud and I will type them. (laughs) Because then he could kind of catch up with his brain, right? And I was like, when would I have ever had that? opportunity to do that for him. But on the flip side, you know, when your boundaries are basically thrown out the window because you're all in the same house, like that was basically how I got my diagnosis. Cause I was like, I can't freaking work. Like I could not do anything for myself. I I felt like I was just waiting. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which was like, I, I had no idea when my kids were going to come bursting out of their rooms in tears because of Wi-Fi or something, or just the anxiety or zoo. Like there was, I had to be a full-time like Butler for my kids. And I didn't have a cleaning lady anymore. And like, you know, and so it was like all of those domestic boundaries were just erased. And so that's when I had a meltdown. Yeah. (laughs) My therapist was like, you need to look into ADHD. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people are presenting that way. That's everyone's day to day now. I mean, I've had patients where their kids are just, there's like Elsa in the background or Spider-Man on one side, mom's being darted with Spider-Man, you know, webs and stuff. And she's like, this is my life. This is my life. And then it's like, also, if you're working from home, you know, you don't have the division between your workspace and your home space. And all of a sudden it's like, is that the dishwasher? Is that the, what is that noise? And some person people like they're working, you know, your, your company, everybody went remote and maybe they're on different time zones. So people's phones are buzzing at different times at night. And that could be a source of anxiety. It's like, oh my God, what is that? Is that a work message? Is that, did I miss something? Did I forget something? So you're constantly, it's like you're running in quicksand. It's just not going anywhere. Mm. And I think a lot of, I think a lot of people are, it was just, I mean, what you described is what I, what I see. And I, when I explain to people like this, you know, your ADHD could be playing a part into this. They're like, I never saw it that way. I have always told like, Hey, just, do this or do that or you know maybe I maybe it's always like well maybe I'm working more so I'll work less but I enjoy working why do I have to give up that part this is just always you have to find a balance but I'm like no you should be able to do whatever you want to do no one can tell you that your 12 hours are not as important as someone else's 12 hours that's not or your 24 hours are not as important or whatever the case is or you have to work 10 hours or eight hours or whatever but if you are not comfortable with how things are going for you let's see what we can do you know and I think um, but yeah, but what you described is what I hear often, especially yeah. with women. Well, I was going to, I was just going to say, I think it was, it's most starkly presented in terms of a gender issue from the pandemic and how the mm-hmm. pandemic and lockdown has affected women so much more than men mm-hmm. and especially wives and mothers and in terms of the domestic duties and, and yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like that's woven into our conversations all the time about, yeah. you know, how, I, I'm always like, is this ADHD or am I just an angry feminist <laughs> who's had it? It's hard. I know the balance is hard sometimes. You're just like, I don't know. Yeah. This is, no, it's yeah, no, it is, it is, it is, it does affect women differently because women, you know, especially this this time, as you said, we're, 
it becomes more apparent that you know, the glue of the family, like if you're, but at the same time, if you're not doing well, if you don't have those outlets anymore, then everybody suffers. And I think that adds more to that anxiety, more to that, because that mom guilt is real. Like if you feel like you forgot something for your kid or you weren't there for something or, you know, like that, that will really slowly break you down, you know, and add more, and adds more to burnout. It eventually can, you know, lead to professional burnout or just personal, like you're tired with everything, you know? And um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot that there's, and if it is ADHD, like let's get that treated, let's get that assessed. So we, so the quality of life is better. Mm, yeah, I know. The right? quality of life that we're, that we're trying to help here. Well, I, I so appreciate the, the, I just think ADHD online is such a fantastic service. And I think it's at, yeah. at the right time, at the right place at the right time. And I think it's fantastic. Yeah. And now I was surprised to learn that it was actually originally founded for kind of parents and kids and getting kids diagnosed. But yeah. I imagine, yeah. do you know offhand what the ratio is of, of adult women to and adults to children? In I terms do not of diagnosis? know. I do not know. I will, I will get that information for you though. Yeah. I'm just curious. Cause I feel like I, I imagine way more adults, um, come for a diagnosis than for themselves than for children. And also I think, you know, not only is it a, a great place to go for an assessment, but it's a fantastic resource too, just in terms of poking around the site and the blogs. And there's also the webinars. Yeah. And I think if the two year, the last two years have shown us anything, this really is the future of how we communicate and mm-hmm. how we kind mm-hmm. of find help. Yeah. 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 <laughs> from, from the loneliness of our living rooms and our screens. <laughs> Yeah. Times have changed. I really appreciate uh, you sitting down with me. This was a really enlightening conversation. I had a feeling it would be. And there you have it. Thank you for listening. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Women and ADHD podcast. Also, you know, we ADHDers crave feedback and I would really appreciate hearing from you, the listener. If you're a fan of the podcast, please take a moment to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or Audible. And if that feels like too much and I get it, then just take a few seconds right now to give me a five-star rating or share this episode on your own social media to help reach more women who maybe have yet to discover and lean into this gift of neurodivergency. And they may still be struggling and don't even know why. And if you'd like to find out more about me and my one-on-one coaching for women with ADHD, head over to womenandadhd.com coaching. And you can always find that link in the show notes. I'll see you next week when I interview another amazing woman who discovered that she is not lazy or crazy or broken, but she has ADHD and she is now on the path to understanding her neurodiversity and finally using this gift to her advantage. Take care till then.